0: Today's episode is brought to you exclusively by the good folks at Blue Note Therapeutics. Blue Note creates digital therapeutics to help cancer patients cope with the emotional distress of our disease. Check out their premier product, COVID Cancer Care, at covidcancercare.com, and we'll keep you posted on more programs that they're going to be releasing soon. Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Trevor Maxwell. Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I am excited today to have Stephen Barker, stage three lymphoma survivor from Bartlett, Tennessee. He is a friend of mine, and an, he is come on strong in the Man Up to Cancer Howling Place group on Facebook. He's now one of the admins. I thank him for that. We're going to get into that later. Stephen, thanks for joining me on the show, man.
1: Hey, Trevor. Glad to be here.
0: So where is Bartlett Tennessee fill us in there Bartlett
1: is a uh it's it's on the large side of uh suburbs around the Memphis area it's part of the Memphis Memphis metro area um
0: okay, so, okay. yeah
1: just a little easy going suburb
0: easy going suburb that's very similar to where I live of course Portland is a lot smaller than Memphis but I'm also in that kind of suburb sort of getting into a little rural I guess I mean a lot of people would think that but um So I'm going to do a little monologue before I get into my questions for you. I have a lot to get to today, but I want to talk and and ask you about social media in general, because before cancer, I was a social media skeptic. Well, even more than a skeptic, I pretty much freaking hated social media. Like it was toxic. I was on Facebook, but I didn't really use it that much. I just found that people would just get into arguments about politics and other bullshit. and, And it was just annoying. I was like, why do people spend their time here? Then I got cancer. And I found out that, wow, I couldn't connect with a bunch of other uh, cancer, you know, people going through cancer in their 40s right in my hometown. So I've turned to the internet, of course, and have made really good friends through Facebook and Instagram, mostly Facebook. But I have found my people. I've found my communities. I've connected with awesome people like you. I, you know, and then so I've learned so much. So I've gotten so much information from other patients through these groups Um, About my disease and treatment options and so there's the information piece and then there's just the camaraderie piece of getting to know other people going through the shit and and people who are you know facing similar challenges and I want to say that I did not think this was possible but it absolutely is possible to become good friends with people online that you've never met in person and I just wanted to bring that up today because there's certain people who you know, it's not everybody. I hate to say this, but it's not everyone, but there's a lot of people who come into the man up to cancer community. And I just feel a vibe with, I feel a connection with, and that's not to insult anyone else, but there it's just, it is what it is. So like you Michael, really others that have come on board. Like I just feel an instant connection with, and, and I feel like I know you better than I do, (laughs) which is, is that kind of weird, right?
1: No, absolutely. And I mean, (laughs) I just, uh, I hadn't been mentioned yet, but I, I I just wrote you uh just a just a take care note a couple days or you know a yeah. week or so ago, and I I mentioned that you know it's like I don't like technically know you very well, but I feel like we're really good friends, and it's just Absolutely. it's just all a result of the howling place, man, and just the support yeah. and camaraderie there.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's like, and. Through the posts, it's funny how you can get to know someone pretty well. I think through the just the posts and the comments they make, and then through the Zoom calls. I don't get to the many of the Zoom meetings. Every you know, Joe will say I go to sleep at eight o'clock, which is usually true. Um, but um, uh, I, you know, I, I don't make a lot of them just because I'm super 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 busy and with everything going on with my treatment now and life. it's just I would like to make more. But anyways, for the ones that I do get on and that you're on, it's really cool. And so, yeah, I just want to say that to people who if you're doubting that social media can lead to these c- connections, because I think we're going to have a lifelong connection, then give it a try. And, and, you know, especially in the cancer space or a really specific space where you can meet others going through what you're going through.
1: Absolutely. I think we all, um, you know, just getting to know other guys in the howling place, I feel like we all kind of come from a similar place of we've been in these more scientific Cancer groups, and you know, because we intentionally stay away from those topics in the Howling Place. So, yes. you know, it's like they get their they get their first Facebook hits when they start searching their disease, and you know that comes back with these more scientific groups. And then a lot of times, often what we're coming to find out is there's a member of the Howling Place in one of those groups already, and they get con- another guy there, and they get connected and uh, to the Howling exactly. Place, and that's just how it works out, and yeah that's just the incredible thing about this space is that it's less scientific and it just it's it's just more um i don't it's just more inviting for relationships like that because that's just the entire point of the group is you right. know, just forming these relationships and having that support system it's not so much getting down into the weeds of the science and getting answers for what you're dealing with it's more it's of i mean it's just the relationships
0: And we're trying to keep it on track like that i mean i feel like lately there there is a lot of people searching out those answers right when you have cancer like that's number one survival like you're trying to figure out your disease and so i get it when people come on and they're like i really need to find out this about this treatment for this particular disease this particular thing and i have to kind of you know we try to help those people and, and try to get them answers but i try to remind people like you said that the purpose of the howling place is more general brotherhood camaraderie It's it's more like a a social group than it is a science group Absolutely because we come from all different cancers like you wouldn't want to go on there every day as a lymphoma patient and see like Every question about a specific treatment for colorectal cancer. Like that's not uh, valuable to you Um, so It it is a you know, we try to find that balance, but it definitely is more of the social group so I want to get into uh, I definitely want to get into your cancer now dude you over the past couple years you have gone through the shit Take us back to 2019. You you started to experience this pain, and then you just went through this hellacious experience where you're just bouncing from doctor to doctor and not getting any answers. Talk a little bit about what that period of life was like for you.
1: The frustrating part about it was, it, it's like I had these distractions. What it, what started it was I I got a vasectomy in December 2018. So. I got a vasectomy, and then I started experiencing that pain for the first time just shortly a few weeks after that. So I wasted a lot of time. What kind of pain?
0: What kind of pain was it, and where was it at that it time? It was
1: lower abdominal pain. So because okay. of because of just having a vasectomy, I I just assumed those were related. So right. and and they were not at all. Come to find out. So I get the vasectomy. I'm going back to my urologist with this pain. He's prescribing me antibiotics, thinking I have some internal infection. And then I go back to my primary care and he says, let's get an x-ray, showed nothing. Let's get a CT, showed nothing. And he said, well, if nothing's showing up and you're having this pain, the only thing at this point is you could have a hernia. So he direct, he connects me to a, a general surgeon and he just coincidentally, I said distractions because I would consider this a distraction yes coincidentally found two hernias near where my pain was and I mean he wasn't even con- too convinced when he found him I could tell by the look on his face he knew that that was not what was causing me the pain like it wasn't enough yeah but he technically found them so I guess as a surgeon yeah. he felt like he needed to repair them and it would have only gotten worse so it's good that I did but you know about a month after I got those hernias repaired the pain came back and I, th- I think the pain settled because I had, um, like I was on like an anti- or pain medicine there for a couple of weeks from the surgery. So like it was just distraction, you know? So.
0: Gotcha. So, and I, sorry, I should have asked before this, how old are you now?
1: I am 34 right now. now, 33. Okay. So,
0: 33. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> so, 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 so when you were diagnosed or, or before this in 2019, when you were trying to figure out what your pain was, you were like 30 years old
1: yes uh i turned 30 shortly after that hernia surgery
0: okay great so you're a young man or 31 otherwise yeah. physically healthy you you're having this pain in your lower abdomen but other other than that you were you were a healthy guy right
1: absolutely i've okay. never had any type of health issues at all i You know, I've always been diligent about going to the doctor, not afraid of the doctor, and I've always gone and gotten clean reports. So, you know, just, I just wasn't suspecting anything. I definitely wasn't suspecting the worst. I knew something was wrong and I was confused, why I couldn't figure it out.
0: So you, so you get the hernias repaired and, and you're, you're both thinking at that point, yeah, there's gotta be something else going on. The pain comes back and it starts to progress, right? It starts getting worse. Yep. So, so what happens next? So you're going to your PCP, you're going to others, you're, You know, what do I do do here?
1: I mean, I'm at a loss. So my, I've got, um, I hear about this, this therapy. It's a physical therapy, like for pelvic health. And I'm starting to think like, maybe it's something related to that. Let me go a different avenue. I've gotten a vasectomy. I've gotten hernia repair. I've had blood work. So I, I start treatment with that. But right around that same time, I try to give blood at work. There's a, there's like a lifeblood truck there and i try to get blood and they turn me away for low iron and this is march the surgery was in february in march i get turned away for low iron while i'm also beginning this treatment so you know i know that at that point and and that's like the biggest takeaway i would want to say to anybody listening today low iron in a man is not okay it's just not okay. If Absolutely. Like, you need to have yep. a very specific reason why it's low and know what that reason is and your doctor be aware of it because if you don't, then that's that's you just need to – it's not okay to have low iron.
0: <laughs> that, well, that's why – yeah, and that's why I was diagnosed. That's why I got my colonoscopy because when I was having fatigue and came back with low iron. So same exact thing. I was anemic with low iron. So absolutely, everyone listening today, guys <laughs> – low iron is a sign that there's something going on and if you, and, and and a lot of guys go and they'll talk to their PCP about that or another doctor and people won't be concerned cuz they look at you and they see this vibrant and healthy young guy and they think ah eh. well that's they, what they I don't got. even with the low iron they turn you away absolutely i'm
1: getting fed up the summer happens well so another thing i start losing weight which is another yeah. huge sign, but I don't know that because I have another distraction. I just took up a love for spin class at my rec center, so I'm okay. like hitting it off with spin class, thinking I'm losing all this weight from that. <laughs> You're so like, my I'm doing down. great. Yeah, I'm like dropping thirty pounds. Oh, this is great. Spin's working. This is awesome, you know. And so, <laughs> anyways, just another distraction from that. So I get fed up and august or so and i go and i see Or it was july and i go and i see a uh gi doctor and i explain everything i mentioned the low iron i mentioned the low iron and he doesn't check my iron and he doesn't check my stool for blood oh i insist on a colonoscopy he finds two polyps and nothing and he says well you know we'll see what happens and you know if you're still experiencing the pain In another couple months we can do an upper endoscopy and so we leave and i'm just i'm not okay with that it's i mean i'm i'm like it's hard for me to sit up in a chair at this point i'm in so much pain i mean it was excruciating and i'm you know it's getting hard to go to work every day and i'm you know my wife doesn't work so i'm the sole provider for my family and i'm starting to really get worried about this you know it's affecting my performance so yeah. yeah and so I, I just go back to my, I, I said, I, I get fed up at this point. I find the best general uh, or primary care in the Memphis area. I find the best. It takes yep. until October to see them. That's too long. Oh. So I go back to my old one. I just walk in and get labs because I'm like, I need to know what my iron is. I don't know. These doctors are giving me the runaround. and I go and then my doctor calls me back the same day. Cause he didn't know I was coming. I just walked into their labs and got it. And he's like, Hey, I didn't know you were coming in for blood work. <laughs> this is the old doctor that I'm leaving. And I said, yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I don't know. I, I I'd give him a little background, what I've been going through. And he said, well, man, your hematocrit is 24. And for for Ooh. anyone who has any idea of hematocrit, it normal range is about mid forties to, you know, upper sixties or so. in men, right. and mine's mid twenties. And he said, I'm going to have to direct you to a hematologist. And so he does that. And then he's uh, getting an appointment. It's nothing until November. So I'm just, I'm losing it. And let's, <laughs>
0: let's, let's pause there for a second, because again, so the distractions of life and everything else that, and things that could be something, but aren't we got into that and then there's also just the delays yeah and what it takes to see someone and and again i think that just again relates to age and condition but you're in a ton of pain and and you still can't get in these doors for weeks right and i'm sitting there in
1: pain a 30 something year old guy proactively seeks out a gi doctor and he oh i forgot to mention he advised that i get Uh, magnesium citrate because he thinks my bowels are just backed up because I'm really too young for it to be anything too serious. So yeah, it just kind of makes you sick. But so yes, beat around the bush with all that. So I eventually wait until I see my new primary care October 1st. I go in, I tell him everything. He throws his arms up in the air, checks my stool for blood that day. It's positive or, (laughs) or it's positive for blood. He, calls me the next day and said my hematocrit was 21. So it had dropped from 24 to 21 in just a couple of weeks. And he said, come back in, we're going to order more, more blood stat. And he said, if it's below 20, you need to go to the ER. And it was, and I went to the ER and I had to get two units of blood that night. And then we, it, that ER trip led to an an endoscopy and they found lymphoma in my duodenum, which is the very beginning of, um, your small intestine like right where food leaves the stomach so um
0: so this whole time you have cancer in your duodenum that is growing and causing you uh, bleeding causing you a ton of pain and it has been a period of was it over a year or i mean about 10 months at this point yeah from the start of your symptoms to the time when you actually Found some answers, yep, but that was your answer right there, boom, you have cancer at at thirty, yep, wow,
1: so they they give me some blood, find out that I have lymphoma, and give me a diagnosis and connect me to my oncologist, and you know my oncologist wanted to um you know take a brief or take a second and stage me and do a pet scan and all that, and I'm sitting there and I can barely even sit up in the chair. I'm in so much pain. And I said, I said, I can't I can't wait that long. I said, I, I was like, we need to start something immediately because he was not wanting to start chemo for a couple of weeks. So he said, well, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. And so he sent me back to the ER and I got my port placed and I started chemo within a couple of days.
0: So there's some more good advocacy by you to say like, yeah, like that's no, not, okay. I'm not waiting around anymore. Like we, yeah, it's not.
1: Lymphoma, and we know I'm bleeding, and we know that I'm losing blood every second we keep here, sitting here and talking about it. So let's start treating right. this baby, you know.
0: Hundred <laughs> percent. And um, to, to give us a little education on lymphoma in general. And obviously, being a colorectal cancer patient, I'm not too. Is it something that's more of like a genetic thing, or just uh, sporadic, or how does it um crop up in someone at your age? From what
1: I've learned. And heard from others, uh, lymphoma does not seem to be too genetic. And I say that by comparison, because, and thanks to the Howling Place, I realize how genetic cancer can really be, as I just learned there. Sure. But it doesn't really seem uh, to be quite as genetic. And not only that, but it seems to be very, like, when you have lymphoma, like, kind of once you get past those first couple of years of high-risk reoccurrence, like, your chances of reoccurrence beyond that are significantly lower. So, like... Kind of get out of that, um, span of a couple of years of high risk, the risk really drops. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm approaching yeah. that. So definitely, uh, ready to get past that two year point for myself right now. But, um, it's so, I mean, it, yeah, man, it's a blood cancer though. It's similar to leukemia in in some ways, <laughs> and the fact that it's a blood cancer, um, it's very, um, it can present itself in like a tumor a lot of people feel the lymphoma like physically feel it in their underarm or on their leg or on their neck i've heard uh, i actually know someone friend of a friend who had it on their tongue and so i mean it's it can pop up anywhere um you know there's different types there's high grade and low grade mine's high grade which means that it takes off i mean you know my first ct there was nothing my second ct they were filling me up with blood and finding lymphoma so that just shows how and that was like a six-month period that just shows how quickly it grows um you know so that's why we didn't pick it up at first so you know it's very quickly growing but you know the the flip side to that is that it's very treatable it's highly treatable so it's it you know it has a fast growth rate again here we're going to kind of
0: glaze over some of the treatment um but like i did with michael Reilly, because i want to get to some, some other themes and topics of conversation, but you had, so you started chemo, you had a bowel obstruction, you went on TPN nutrition, explain to folks what that entails.
1: That was, that was the darkest part because I started treatment and my pain went away like within 24 hours after my first round. And then, so about 10 days after my first round, I started throwing up and it wasn't like, I would throw up once a day and looking back it was like well, I would just eat and drink enough and my stomach couldn't hold it anymore okay. and yep. I would throw it up. It's not like I couldn't, it's not that like food was making me sick, it's just that it couldn't go anywhere. And so I I was going to the, anyway, I mean we, we found out it was a bowel obstruction and we tried treating it with um, stretching it, um, just bowel rest. I had over the course of hospital stays, I had three separate stays involving an ng tube which they shove down my nose and you know drains everything out of your stomach and keeps your stomach empty for yeah it's it's terrible but um you know so during that time I it was about it was about seven or eight weeks and i mean there were periods through that where i would get approved for like um i forget what they call full liquids you know, like different things, like they would let me start testing things out. And, you know, I would, so it wasn't that whole time I went without eating, but I was never normally eating during that time. And, you know, they had to have me on TPN, which is not great for your liver. So it's definitely not like a permanent arrangement to keep you nourished. Um, but yeah, the, the bowel obstruction was awful. That started, it was Halloween. I remember it was a few days before Halloween, but I remember Halloween, I could not take my kids trick-or-treating. My mom had to come over and go with my wife and walk them around the neighborhood to go trick-or-treating that night. And the next day we went to the ER and I just, I just, I don't know. It was just, you know, something happens and you just kind of tag a, tag a date to it. So, you know, so from Halloween until, um, about mid December, I didn't really eat anything at all. I mean, it was, or drink.
0: And I've seen some, uh, I've seen some photos of you from that time, and you are you're looking pretty gaunt. Uh, your cheeks are hollowed yeah, out. You you lost a, a bunch that's of weight. Uh,
1: I think the face, my face showed it the most. I mean, just like the yeah, you said it. The cheeks hollowed out. I got down to 145 pounds whenever I was in the hospital, and I mean for reference, whenever I was diagnosed, I was just north of 200, and now I'm or then I got down oh, to 145. Yeah, yeah. I'm back around 200 now, so.
0: Yeah, you're, you are looking awesome, man. You're Appreciate looking it. Appreciate really it. awesome. We're going to break for a quick minute here to thank today's sponsor. We want to thank Blue Note Therapeutics for sponsoring today's podcast. Man Up to Cancer only partners with companies that offer real solutions for our community. Blue Note's goal is to make digital therapeutics available to every cancer patient from diagnosis and treatment to survivorship. Digital therapeutics treat conditions like anxiety and depression related to cancer using evidence-based software. These therapies address the emotional distress that many of us face, and they're accessible anytime, anywhere on your computer or mobile device. Please check out Blue Note's premier product, COVID Cancer Care, at covidcancercare.com. Big shout out to Jeff, Laura, and the rest of the Blue Note team. We are so grateful for your support. Let's give the Cliff's Notes. Then you continue the treatment, and it, it's successful. You and eventually. April 2020, you finished treatment and you are declared no evidence of disease, right?
1: Yep, that's correct. And well, so I did have the, I mean, just as a result of all that, I did have a, a bowel, a small bowel bypass so that I could eat again. That's what solved it. So I oh, did okay. get that okay. surgery in December so I could eat. So it didn't resolve itself. I just had to get reconstructed down there so I could eat. And they had to place a peg feeding tube. So I was on two, two feed feed for a couple of months as my bowels woke back up. But, yeah, I went... um I've been NED since April 2020, just a few weeks after the the launch of a COVID nineteen. So that was that was pretty sweet timing, ending a cancer journey and beginning a an or you know, pandemic for the whole
0: world. (laughs) Oh man. And yeah, so I think you had a I think I saw there was like a car parade that went by when you were finished with your chemo and you and your family were out there on your lawn and the car parade's going by cheering you on, celebrating it, right? That
1: was that was absolutely I mean it was amazing. And I mean I owe that all to my wife and she I mean you know, she knows me so well she knew that that was something that I would appreciate and, and I love and you know it was it was it was a bummer to her it was still wonderful for me but it was a bummer to her cuz she wanted to throw a real party you know <laughs> before covid and all that like that was the original plan and then right. so you know it turned into a a parade but it was still it was still great and I felt like you know i got to see more people because it was a parade too you know i mean we i mean there were probably close to 100 cars that drove by i mean that's a that's just a result of i've lived in bartlett my entire life this town so i mean it's just you know that's just everyone i'm connected to in my life is here so there were a lot of people that were um wanting to come by and see me that day and it was yeah it tell was us really tell special. us
0: a little bit about your um tell us about your family your wife katie and and your kids tell us about uh, their their names and ages
1: uh, my wife she's actually uh she's a little over a year older than me, so she's robbing the cradle a little bit uh,
0: <laughs>
1: but so we uh we actually both grew up in Memphis met at college didn't know each other from Memphis we met out of out of town at college came back here got married and That's um great. and both of our families are here we grew up ten minutes from each other and didn't know it our whole lives and um our we have a son his name is Owen he's six years old and we have a daughter her name is june and she is four years old and they have been through and hell and back and they are troopers for still being the happy little campers they are today
0: amazing um and i will say for our listeners this is audio so you can't see steven right now but i'm gonna put up some photos on my social on my You know, I do most of my Man Up to Cancer stuff actually on my Trevor Maxwell, just plain old Trevor Maxwell on Facebook. I also do have a Man Up to Cancer business page on Facebook you can check out. I'll throw up some, um, I'll put up some photos, the photo of Steven back when he was in the darkest place and then today. And also just a couple more photos of him and his wife because man, what a beautiful couple because they both have super red hair. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, super red hair. They are it's probably the like, first thing
1: anyone notices about us. Oh, and our kids <laughs> as well. But.
0: So, right. So they're, they're part of the, you know, they're part of the charge to populate the planet with, with redheads, which is wonderful. Um, We're doing our part. It's just a great couple, great smiles. It's awesome to see. So that's what I want to get into now is one of the themes for today's, the theme for today is really about being a dad. And I want to talk about the experience of being a dad raising young children while going through a cancer diagnosis and treatment. Our kids are a little older, so Sarah and I have Sage who is now just turned 16, Elsie turned 14, but they were 12 and 10 when I was diagnosed in 2018. Um, And especially early on in my diagnosis, pretty much all I could think about. All I could think about was how young they were and, and how much, and, and then also how much I still needed them, how much I didn't want to leave them and miss out on everything. And, and that is just, I think, you know, anyone like us who's at a younger age and going through cancer with younger kids, I think that's pretty unavoidable. I, I'm, I'm expecting that's one of your experiences as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's hard to watch. I mean, it's such a, it's. It's a grieving process. You know, it's you have to watch moments go by that you'll never get back because mm. of the way, just because of your current health state. You know, just moments where other people are getting to do things and take care of your kids and you want to be there. And then not only that, but your kids don't understand. And that's yeah. the worst part. And, <laughs> you know, it's not only are you not getting those experiences, but you or I, just was constantly worried that they were thinking that I didn't want to have those experiences with them, that I was opting out, you know, like that was the worst part for me, you know? So any way I could ever convey it to them that, you know, this was not by choice. Like I I want to be with them. This is not where I want to be. This is not permanent. This is, you know, it's, I don't know. I was just very cognizant of that going through the journey and I just, Anything I could verbally do for my kids to reassure them that, you know, I'm here. I love them. I want to be with them. I'm sorry that, you know, physically, effort-wise, I cannot do as much as I used to. That's right. But it's just, it's hard. It's hard. Especially with my my son, Owen, just because he was older and he just had more questions. My daughter was three at the time. or She had turned... She was two going on three during that time, so
0: she's younger. Yeah, totally, I, and and I hear you absolutely. And like when you're debilitated, and you don't have a choice, you you have to be where you have to be because of the cancer, and it's so maddening, right? It's it's and and like you said, you see all your peers. You know, we're in this category of younger. You know, you're younger than me, but we're both in this category of younger men facing cancer, and. And it's just a different experience it's a different experience cuz our kids are just at that at the younger place so i re- one of my vivid memories is going to one of sage's concerts right you know just concert at school musical concert she sings and she's up there with her class and singing and and all the parents are around just just you know taking the videos with their phones and just you know just loving this moment and for me it was there was so much going on i had a little bit of that resentment against these other parents for like you know here I am with stage four cancer and, and fighting for my life and they're just you know relaxing that that's tough number one but then second of all the biggest thing was just it's like this dichotomy it's part half of my brain is feeling so thankful to be there and that this precious moment of hearing my daughter sing and then the other half is thinking it's always hard for me to talk about but how many of these concerts um, am I going to go to? It's hard to get that. And it, people will say like, oh, you got to get that doubt out. of your I Can't think like that, but sorry, I, I thought like that. And sometimes I still do. I'm going to be honest. And my honest feeling at that time was part thankfulness, but also part sadness and fear that I wasn't going to be there for those later, you know, those concerts as she was growing up. And I think that, you know, for me, that was hundred percent and things like that, like Elsie's so- softball game, same thing. And for me, that mental piece of it has been a hundred percent the hardest part has been the emotional piece around the kids and I know with yours being a little bit younger, it's probably a little different but i i I wanted to have this conversation with you specifically because I feel like you know what I'm talking about
1: absolutely and i think um I think I could speak for you too that you know you probably had a similar experience in the way that you know before cancer, I was I mean I was a very hands on dad. I mean yes. Katie and I we were 50/50 bedtime nap time getting kids baths feeding them taking them places. Um I mean you name it. I mean there's there's no there's no caretaking responsibility for my kids that I feel like is my responsibility or Katie's responsibility over the other. Yeah, we try to split. It's
0: exactly exactly how we do it too. So go at, ahead. At least
1: yeah. whenever I'm at home, she is with them during the day, so she's, you know, 110% during the day, but oh, yeah, we try to be 50/50 outside of working hours, but um so I mean that was that's the hardest part because I knew I knew what I was giving up. I knew what I was missing out on because like I said I was hands-on before and I know with these Mo- how special those moments are and mm. those memories I'm not getting. And, um, and then I was feeling extra frustrated because, I mean, my daughter was two at the time. So, I mean, I, she was still brand new to me. I'm still connecting with her, getting to know her at this point. She's starting to talk and
0: I'm yeah. missing
1: all this time and I'm in the hospital and I'm only, I mean, I'm just not seeing her and she's not seeing me. And it's just, it just kills you in a whole different way.
0: So well said. And here's where we flip the script and get into the silver lining because I know from what you said in your post, and I know from that look on your face that now that you are no evidence of disease and having gone through the challenges that you've gone through, that I have to believe that your appreciation of those moments and your appreciation of your kids is even more. Not that you know, not that it wasn't before. Look, it's always a hundred percent, but there has to be that even more intense feeling of like, yes, this feels awesome to be doing everything you're doing with them right now.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's just, I like we, we moved last summer and got, and got a pool. And, and I say that just because like so much of that had to do with like, I am making memories. It's like this house stood out to me whenever I found it on a listing and I was like, That house is perfect, but it's got a pool. And that is what I have in mind for how I'm going to rebuild my relationship with my kids. And I know it sounds, it almost sounds like water. like it's COVID we're quarantined I was like if we got to be at home all the time we're it's going to be special and we're going to have a good time and we're going to enjoy each other and I felt like that was the most I could do for my family to make sure that we were all going to continue making memories and that was the best I could do at that time so yeah I mean I've just been uh riding that train the whole time I mean we'll we'll go swimming this afternoon I'm sure too so I mean it's just I've gotten so much out of that and yeah I mean just I mean that's just an example but yeah you know, I try to have more like one-on-one time with my kids too. You know, like I try to, um, like take my daughter on a date, take my son on a date and my wife does it too with both of them. So, I mean, we, you know, we, we just try to have just mindful of it all. I mean, just appreciate it. I love it.
0: it. I love it, man. That's awesome. Um, and I know that they're, I know they're, they're little, but to see their dad, you know, back, physically and and mentally and and just fully with all all um all cylinders pumping that's just a beautiful thing and I'm I'm so happy for you
1: thank you thank you it's it's wonderful to be here i mean i'm i'm just blessed to be here and just to be able to i mean just be on this side of things and be appreciative on
0: this end of it what do you have to do to monitor your your health and, and look out for recurrences what what's happening now with that
1: the guidance for lymphoma really is kind of once I get past this two-year mark we'll just go from symptoms because that's typically how lymphoma presents itself as I learned with myself I had the abdominal pain before it ever showed on a CT yeah so yeah so just ongoing I'll just keep in close contact with my oncologist and monitor symptoms and just get routine blood work and that's pretty much or anything um i feel like i'm educated enough on this disease to where i'm gonna know the first sign of if if it ever comes back which i would encourage anyone to (laughs) i mean you empower yourself in that way know what um you know know what to look for and you know know when something's wrong so that i'm going off of myself basically
0: definitely listen to your body and and get to your doctor if something's wrong and if you get dismissed and you still think something's wrong, go to somebody else.
1: Yep, fire them, get a new doctor.
0: So how are, we are fastly approaching the gauntlet of random questions for you, Stephen, but before we get (laughs) there, survivorship itself and the emotions of that and being no evidence of disease and and, um, tell us about for you, how's that experience going for you in terms of your mindset and your emotions and how you keep yourself um, where you wanna be mentally?
1: It's hard. It's yeah. I I think whenever I was going through it, whenever I was in it, I envisioned this point in my life, and it just seemed like a twilight zone. It just seemed like everything's perfect. I have my health back and everything. And, you know, I have a couple physical scars, but I don't think about those. It's the mental scars from cancer. Those hit me all day, every <laughs> yep. day, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it it sucks because I don't have anything to complain about for how whiny that sounds. It's like everything's fine, but I'm still not okay. You know, it's kind of where it is. So, I mean, you (laughs) asked about like a mental state and, you know, didn't talk about it much, but I mean, I'm very open about it in the howling place. I'm a huge advocate for mental health. I have, um, I, I was lucky enough to be established with counseling about a year prior to starting cancer treatment. So I didn't have to figure that out during the treatment, but um, to anyone who's considering going and start it because it takes a little bit to get established, and you may not like the first person you see and so anyway so it 's an ongoing it's an ongoing management of my heart and mind, and i'm you know i'm lucky to have my wife to you know continue survivorship through i didn't mention but she's a survivor of thyroid cancer she had um about a year before mm. me she had her thyroid removed and she had her own issues with that so You know, for both of us having our own separate things like that, you know, we're both kind of in this survivorship together in a sense. And so anyways, uh, so her cancer, my cancer, then COVID, we're ready for life to level out a little bit over here.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. Now, that's really important for you to say that it, it is hard and it sucks for you because there's a lot of men. I love that about you, that that is one of the things that makes you such a great role model is that your honesty around it. In the past, men would just say, I'm fine. I'm good. Yep. Yeah, got it. Cancer's done. I'm good. What, like, what are we talking about here? But maybe inside that's not what's going on. And so to be able to say like, yep, cancer's, I'm, I'm no evidence of disease, but man, I feel a little bit haunted right now, or I feel a little bit edgy or I'm not feeling great today me- emotionally or mentally. That's honest. And you're doing something about it. You're going to the toolbox, right? So right. kudos to you, man. That's great. And, and, and I could and I was nodding my head when you were talking about, you know, go go talk to somebody. I'm nodding my head so vociferously that I think it's about to fall off because that's you know that that's one of my soapbox issues is to normalize that for men to have it be OK to talk to somebody about it or to do other tools. You know, if talk therapy isn't your thing, there's tons of other tools in the in the toolbox right now to use for your mental health. But but the thing is to not just do nothing if you're struggling. Right
1: right agree all right
0: man it is time no one escapes the gauntlet of random questions not even our friend Stephen barker from bartlett tennessee i'm ready for are it you, are you ready you are you do seem ready i think my first question maybe i'll save that for last i'm gonna okay would you rather meet your would you rather travel back in time to meet your ancestors or travel into the future to meet your descendants
1: uh in the future to meet my descendants for sure
0: Okay, cool. Any particular reason or just think that would be awesome to see, like, what the world is like then and what they're up to?
1: Uh, that, but I just, I don't know. I just, I wake up every day wondering what my lives, what my children's lives are going to be like. And I feel like that'd be the only, the best hint I'd ever get, so.
0: Awesome. Okay, I love that. Um, UFOs and aliens are among us, yes or no? Absolutely. <laughs> that was definitive have you are you talking from personal experience oh or you no have experience had such a, i just or, okay, okay i just i just believe it I, I, okay, okay good no okay good. that's um, a whole different podcast trevor <laughs> 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 we'll do it um who do you have a crush on for celebrities now it's okay i'm sure our wives have a couple like my wife for sure Jax in sons of anarchy like i i'm pretty she didn't watch that show for the plot lines let's just be honest is there any celebrity that you've had a crush on
1: uh, yeah, Sandra Bullock. Oh, man. She's, I don't know, something about the blind side. I just fell in love with her, and I was, I was already, she already had my attention before that movie, but uh, that sealed the deal for me, I think.
0: Great answer. I mean, that's a wonderful answer. She caught our attention with speed or whatever that was, right? Keanu Reeves, and then blind side. Uh, nailed it and there's many right now, i i think you're you're definitely onto something i can go there with you for sure all right yeah <clears throat> if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life and this is an important question for someone who wasn't had it didn't have a great relationship with food for quite a while but what's the one food you would pick to eat for the rest of your life
1: pizza no doubt are we gonna
0: go there are we gonna add there? no are we gonna go there we're not going there okay we're not going there people <laughs> and people who are in the howling up. place know what we're talking about We'll keep that debate going in the hell <laughs> All right. Last one. How many generations will it take for redheads to take over Earth?
1: Oh, I don't know. That may be another it's podcast because ha- all you I know is it's how gonna we're happen? dying out. So I don't know. So, I mean, if we're taking over, I mean, I'm doing my part. So, I mean, if, <laughs> if you know, I'll try to encourage my kids to do their part and find a redhead too. But, right. Your, mean,
0: it's like you'll have posters like they had drafting kids, people in the army. It'll be like, find your redheaded soulmate
1: <laughs> plus that information is confidential to the ginger society
0: yeah, so. <laughs> i'm on the outside <laughs> oh that was a lot of fun to finish up with steven this has been a great time to spend with you thanks for taking the time to do it and for all the impact you're having in the man up to cancer space and just the general cancer advocacy space you are just getting started so you're young, and you've got a lot of time to have the impact, and you have the personality and the knowledge to do it. So, uh, I'm excited to see. Uh, I'm excited to see that play out over the next few years as well. Thanks, so, man. I thank you, my man.
1: It. Love you, brother. I appreciate the invite. I enjoyed it. Love you too, man.
0: Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open. Big thanks again to Blue Note Therapeutics for sponsoring today's podcast. Blue Note creates digital therapeutics to help cancer patients cope with the emotional distress of our disease. Check out their premier product, COVID Cancer Care at covidcancercare.com.